You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when the government gets it wrong, and people get it wrong, and I get it wrong, and whoever gets it wrong, we can all get it wrong, but God has gotten it right. He's the one that established it. But I want to encourage anyone who might be tempted to go after the world culture, because it is convenient to realize, you know what, this is what they, the same mistake they made back in the time of Israel, where they began to worship on the high places as they saw fit, to worship a God that they created in their own image, rather than the God of the Bible, And there are people today that want to make a Jesus they're more comfortable with. So now we're looking at this main message for us to understand. And look, the Bible teaches this about for disciples. In John chapter 8, the Lord said something that's very profound that I think bears reading very carefully. Verse 31, Jesus speaking to those people who believed. He spoke to these people who believed in him. And then in verse 31, he spoke to the Jews who believed in him. Now, keep in mind, they were all Jews. So who's, who's he referring to? When John speaks about the Jews, and oftentimes in a derogatory way, realize he was Jewish too. But when he speaks about the Jews, he's speaking about the leaders of the Jews who were antagonistic toward Jesus. Anytime you see that phrase, the Jews this, the Jews that, and it makes John seem anti-Semitic, well, he wouldn't be because he's Jewish. But he's referring to the leaders. Well, even some of the leaders believed in Jesus, and it said Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Of course, they questioned that as far as uh, freedom. They said, well, we've never been in bondage. We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How, will you, how do you say, well, you know, you could, you'll be made free? I find it interesting how our minds can justify just about anything And that's exactly where our lives are in this culture. It's people can justify just about any sin possible, even ignoring the obvious truth. To say they've never been in bondage to anyone, what in the world are they talking about? They were in bondage to Babylon for 70 years. Then they were under the domination of the Medio Persian Empire. Then they were under the domination of Greece, Alexander the Great. Then they were under the domination of Rome and still are to that day. So they they were all in bondage. In fact, they lost their right to capital punishment. What are they talking about? Well, this is how people play with truth, oftentimes in their own lives. They think it's just optional. It's not really right or wrong. Well, my goal in this message, very plainly, is to encourage believers to put away all the distractions competing for our attention in this media-driven society and make time. You're not going to find it. You've got to make the time to get quiet daily in the scriptures, read and meditate, study and apply them to your lives. This is the song of our heart. In fact, the very first song in the songbook of the Bible, Psalm 1 expresses his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his delight he meditates day and night. There is the key to standing against the culture. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. There's ungodly counsel right now in the Supreme Court and the courts of this land, and the leadership of this land. Nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. There are many scornful of the things of God. 
But when your delight is in the law of the Lord, meditate it day and night, you're going to be like a tree planted by rivers of water, which yield its fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. You have an amazing promise. So whatever the culture does around us, however bad it is, you have a foundation and should acknowledge the word of God in your life. By the way, it's interesting that I caught a little YouTube clip of uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, in California who, after the decision of the Supreme Court, they were rather happy about this, and uh, a reporter asked a question that another congressperson had said, well, this decision that the Supreme Court made goes against the law of God. Are you afraid at all that you've defied God's word? Something to that effect. And her response was two words, who cares? And this essentially is the spirit right now in this nation. Right now, they've become emboldened enough to say, hey, that doesn't matter. We don't care what the Bible says. Because they can easily hide behind, well, that's just your interpretation. But the reality is the Bible interprets itself, as we'll see. The real challenge is not so much the world. We shouldn't be surprised that's how the world is going to look at it. Really, honestly, we shouldn't be surprised at all. We shouldn't be surprised we go to the government schools. We're going to get that kind of attitude. The government institutions of higher learning are going to have that kind of attitude against the Scriptures, even though on the front, in their their memorials, to the glory of God, many of them, because many of these institutions were established by people who wanted to give an education to people so that they could learn. And even our founding fathers recognized that you cannot enslave a Bible-reading people. So that led many people to lead the charge to get literacy and education into the hands of the average person, which, by the way, was unique until Christianity insisted. We want everybody to be able to read. Why? So they can read the Bible so they won't be enslaved by government. But you know, something strange has happened along the way, something fishy. And this is what's happened. We had a a strong understanding in America for many, many years. You cannot trust your leaders. That's a healthy thing to have. Why did we have that? Because we knew the Bible said that man tends toward corruption. His heart is depraved, desperately wicked. He's going to move against. The more powerful and more rich they are, the more you can't trust them because of what happens to the human heart. We've always had that. Something's happened. Why are we like sheep now that when a decision is made by the government, we all go, well, I guess that's the way it's going to be now. Why do we do that? We ought to remember who we are in this world. We're just passing through. Now, again, this isn't about reclaiming this nation. Because honestly, I'm much more concerned about the souls of Americans than I am about the America as a nation. Because the nations are all going to be anti-God in the end. There's only one thing we need to know as believers in this country. We need to know that our first allegiance is to the Scriptures, to the truth of God, And where the worldly culture prevails, we need to stand strong. And when we fail to do that, then we will be looking at some dangerous times and perilous times when the church itself is not doing the right thing. There was in the times past in Israel a very, very dark time in which for 75 years the Bible was lost. Can you imagine? Did you know that after Hezekiah's son, Manasseh, became king, 
he had pretty much quickly instituted a whole new change of policy. No more worship of God. We're going to worship the Baals. We're going to worship false gods. The temple fell into disuse. It became just a storage ground for all kinds of just, you know, how your garage happens. You know, if you don't use your garage, what happens? It just use it to store junk. That's what the temple became. And consequently, the Bible, the word of God was lost. Can you imagine for 75 years, they didn't have a copy of the scriptures? And then after Manasseh died, the other king, and then there was, then one king died very quickly because he was really evil and the Lord removed him. And then a young boy, eight years of age, by the name of Josiah became king. Now, what do you know at eight? Obviously nothing. So he didn't do much in the first few years, obviously. But when he became 16, he actually began to get his head together and realized what was right and wrong, which is not too early, by the way, if you're 16 years old, to think about what you can do to make a difference in the world. And he did used his authority. And he says, you know, we're going to seek the Lord. So he started cleaning out the temple. Well, Josiah is a great example of a truth Pastor Lloyd mentions often. You are never too young to make an impact for the kingdom of God. Today's edition of Bridging the Gap will continue here in just a couple of moments. In the meantime, I would like to remind you that today's technology allows us to enjoy Lloyd's teaching in a number of ways. You know, it wasn't too long ago that the only way to hear Pastor Lloyd and Bridging the Gap was just to tune on the radio at the correct time. Well, now you can hear Lloyd anytime you choose by using TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts and OnePlace.com. Oh, and don't forget our website, bridgegap.org. And please, while you're visiting bridgegap.org, drop Lloyd an email at that website. Let him know you're listening. And now here's Pastor Lloyd with part two of today's message called Handling the Word of God. He begins with a quick glance at Second Kings chapter 22. Second Kings chapter 22 describes the greatest archaeological discovery ever. After 75 years of having no scriptures, they found a copy of the book of the law of God. It was like, wow. Hilkiah came to the scribe. I found this Bible. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, who read it to the king. And the Bible says in Second Kings chapter 22, verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. He wept. And then he said, go inquire of the Lord. Find out what exactly we're supposed to do now. We've been doing everything wrong. And the Lord then sent a prophet to the king and basically said, well, I'm going to bring all the calamity that this book speaks about because they've forsaken me. They've worshipped other gods. And, and, uh, but as for the king who sent you to inquire, go tell him something different. He's saying all these judgments are going to come, but tell the king because your heart was tender and you've humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what was spoken against this place. And you tore your clothes and you wept before me. I've heard you. And though this judgment's going to come and that can't stop, I'm going to bring you to your father's grave in peace and your eyes will not see the calamity which will come upon this place. So they brought that word to the king. What an amazing point. And this is the thing, if I can encourage you, Above all things, if you leave here with anything in your heart, I'm hoping that you have a tender heart toward the Word of God, that you never get to a place where you're despising it, ridiculing it, holding it lightly. And, you know, you can do that without having a public stance against it. You can do that by just not picking it up. 
Because a person who doesn't pick up their Bible and read it and seek it is essentially acknowledging that it's not worth much. If it were valuable to you, you would let that word of God speak to you. So I want to look today and speak with you today about the nature of the Bible, the power of the Bible, the purpose of the Bible, and our handling, our appropriation of the Bible to our lives. First of all, the nature of it. It is the word of God. How do we know that? Well, the Bible repeats continually throughout, thus says the Lord. The Bible internally reminds us these are the words of God. And even in the New Testament where Peter writes, you know, some of the things Paul said were pretty hard to understand, and many people want to distort those things as they do the rest of the Scriptures. In other words, he acknowledged even Paul's writings as Scripture. And the Bible says that it was God who spoke to the fathers in times past through the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us by his Son. He speaks about him upholding all things by the word of his power. Do you look at the Bible as that way? God actually upholding all things by the word of his power. And when you're caught up in that word, there's something uplifting to you as well. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We should take heed to the things that God has said. Now, there are two important things about the nature of the Bible that we need to to understand. The first thing is that the Bible is completely infallible. It's inerrant. That is without error. Now, that is a very bold claim. And undoubtedly, you will do a Google search on the alleged discrepancies of the Bible. You will see the attacks on the Bible and the showing of contradictions in the Bible. And I tell you that so many of those contradictions are so silly because someone has not bothered to read the context or even look into how it compares with other passages in the full picture. And some places where there are a question of numbers, which doesn't affect the message of the Bible at all, it still does not affect the truth. But I believe that in the original languages, there's not one thing. The Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6 says, Every word of God is flawless and is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And then warns, do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. The grass withers, the flower fades. The Lord promised the word of our God would stand forever, which is very important to understand. It will not pass away. How should we approach the Bible then? That's the word of God. When Paul came to this community of people in Thessalonica, and they were pagans, they were worshiping idols. They knew nothing about the God of the Bible. They knew nothing about Jehovah. And they heard the word of the Lord. They were struck by it. They believed it. Paul writes them later and says, you received the word of God that we gave to you, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectively works in those who believe. I think, wow, how powerful that is. But then he came to another village, Acts 17, 11. He refers to the Bereans. When he came to Berea, he said, wow, you guys are more noble-minded than the Thessalonians. Because the Thessalonians, they received the word eagerly, but the Bereans, they received it eagerly, and they did something else. They tested it to see whether it was so. This comes back to my theme Don't trust anybody. Don't trust the heart of man. Don't trust someone's opinion. You test everything with the scriptures. Every opinion that comes from this pulpit, every word you read in the newspaper, every word you read in a book, whether it's a good book, Christian book, in our bookstore here or in some bookstore or in the library or every opinion on the internet, you test it with the word of God. Because everything else is suspect. It is. It's suspect. Every opinion of man is suspect. 
Anything I say to you is suspect. You should have your thinking caps on. You should be thinking, does this fit with the scriptures? And I, I, get, I get tickled pink when someone finds a mistake that I made. I really do. Because I'm not inerrant. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to quote a wrong verse, or I might get an account wrong, or I might. And I love it when someone catches me on that, and they, re, and they say, hey, especially if they do it before second service, because this is the one that gets archived. <laughs> and then if, if I get it after second service, I have to go back and correct it somehow. But you know what the bottom line is? It tells me you're listening, you're questioning, you're wondering, is this so? Nowadays, you know, you can't say anything without some teen sitting there with their little, you know, iPhone and they're Googling something that I'm saying. Oh, wait, you got the quote wrong there. Huh? That wasn't correct. So you got to be accurate. I do my best. I'm not going to be perfect, but I'll tell you this. I love it when I get challenged. Why? Because it makes me realize you guys are not going to be easily swayed by someone's opinion. You're going to test everything with the scriptures. You know, sometimes even people say, what does this church teach about this? Or what does this church teach about that? And you've heard me say, no, 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 no. The church doesn't teach. The church, the people, are taught. The Word of God is our teacher. Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, instructs us. We're to be taught. We're not to teach. And that's the whole point. Test everything except the the Scriptures. We can trust that is complete. And now here's the thing. In the world truth will be suppressed. We should not be surprised that any evidence that shows toward creation will be suppressed and any evidence that seems to point toward evolution will be lifted up. So you're going to have that. The same thing with the the scriptures, the same thing with social things. You know, you're going to find, you know, the family is God's first institution and people are actually attacking this institution, challenging it by reforming it in their own image. We won't see the destruction until many years down the road to what's going to happen to society. It'll be too late to change. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Lloyd Pulley. If you enjoy the message, you can learn more about Pastor Lloyd's ministry by visiting www.ccob.org.